On July 20th, 1969, everybody was watching on their TV. The space race had been going on for a number of years now. The Russians and the Americans, who would get to the moon first? And, and it looked as if it was going to be the Americans. You see, the American people, they needed to have a morale boost. They really did. They had a lot of problems going on at the time. They had the Cold War that they, that they were dealing with, the unpopular Vietnam War, the civil rights movement. They wanted to show the world that they were the world power. And so they spent billions to get to the moon. And the entire world was watching it when, when you got there. And whether or not you were alive at that time or not, you know what Neil Armstrong said. He says, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. They took pictures. They brought back 50 pounds worth of rocks. They discovered three different types of minerals on the moon. They left a flag. They left the tracks where they were. And they even left a, a, an emblem which remembered the, those who had fallen in Apollo 1. And yet, there were still some people who doubted that they went to the moon. Now, it's, it's no surprise that the, the people who taught the children in Russia and in Cuba said that the Americans never made it to the moon. But what about the Americans? In 1974, Bill Casing wrote a book which was entitled, We Never Went to the Moon, America's $30 Billion Swindle. And the years since, there have been conspiracy theories about it. In fact, as recent as 2001, Fox News did a documentary which many people say insinuated that the U.S. never made it to the moon. See, it didn't matter how much hard evidence there were. People doubted. Sometimes doubt has nothing to do with the hard evidence. Seeing is believing is a very naive way to go through life. You see, if we demanded to see the proof, experience everything that we were taught, we would never get anywhere in life. We'd be left in ignorance. I mean, could you imagine that in a history class? If, if learning about China, learning about things in history, you would have to see it to believe it, you really would be left in ignorance. You would know nothing. And so we simply have to take people's word for it. We, we take their word for it that when we see a picture of China, that those actually are pictures of China. We read books and we take their word for it that they have seen it, they have been there, or that they have read books of people who have seen it or have, who have been there. And so when we learned in history class about Julius Caesar and Genghis Khan, we did that. We believe that these people are actual historic figures, that they did what they say they did without seeing their bodies, without being in the place where they actually were. We simply have to take their word for it. But we seem to have a double standard when it comes to Jesus. So, that people want hard evidence, and not just hard evidence, it seems that people will put up more and more hoops for God to jump through before they say they will finally, before all their doubts will be completely set aside. That's what happened to the disciples. They had been hearing reports all day long. First it was the women who had 
ran to the tomb early that morning. They were there at the tomb early that morning, and they were told by an angel that Jesus had risen. And those ladies ran back to those disciples. They told them that Jesus has risen. And then Peter and John ran to the tomb, and they looked in, and they scratched their heads trying to wonder what really had happened. That it was Mary Magdalene who said and told the disciples that, I've seen the Lord. And the two disciples on the road to Emmaus told the disciples, well, we have seen the Lord, we talked with Him. They had all these reports, and yet, where do we see the disciples? In fear, behind locked doors, thinking that it was all a hoax. They're filled with doubt. Then Jesus chases away their doubts. This is what it says, starting in verse 19 in our lesson. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. In the power of the reality of the resurrection, Jesus chases away their doubts, doesn't he? But then Thomas arrives. Thomas wasn't there the first time when all the disciples were together in the room when Jesus appeared. He wasn't there, and yet you would think that Thomas would simply be able to believe without seeing because he saw more hard evidence of the fact that Jesus actually was alive than anybody else. He could see the joy in their eyes. He could hear the joy on their lips as they told him about what happened. But still, Thomas says, no way. I don't believe. There's no way it could possibly happen that Jesus could be alive. And so it continues on, verse 24. Now Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. So the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Isn't it ridiculous? Isn't it ridiculous that is there anything in life where you need that much proof to believe something? Before you'll actually say, okay, I no longer doubt, but now I believe. Could you imagine if we did that with other things in life? If you started learning about China, and you say, you know what, there's no way I'm going to believe that China exists until I can touch the soil and breathe the air of China. Or if Julius Caesar say, there's no way I'm going to believe that Julius Caesar actually existed until I see his body and sit in his house. Hard evidence. We don't demand it in any other aspect of our lives, right? Except it seems when it comes to our Savior. We're always finding another hoop for God to jump through before we'll finally say we believe. 
And don't we do that with, when it comes to the resurrection, we have so much proof. We have the disciples who risked their lives and finally sacrificed their lives going around the world to tell people about the message that Jesus died and rose again. And we have four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who talk in detailed descriptions about who Jesus was and what Jesus did throughout his life. We have copious amounts of, of ancient literature, which is, goes far beyond any other historic figure in the history of the world to give us the hard evidence that Jesus is who he said he was. And yet we still, still seem to find a reason to doubt, right? And, and you see, the problem isn't with the evidence. The problem is with us. It's our sinful nature. Our sinful nature continues to doubt despite the amount of evidence that our Lord gives to us, despite the proof that he gives to us throughout history, despite the apostles and messengers that have been sent, we doubt. We always find another hoop. We always want another hoop, demand another hoop for God to jump through. We ask God for a sign. We ask God for an experience. We ask God to answer a prayer exactly how we want and when we want so that we can know that he is actually there and listening to us. And you know what's, what's crazy is that sometimes he actually does that. He actually answers our prayers exactly how we wanted, exactly when we wanted, but we so quickly forget or dismiss it as nothing more than coincidence. Always looking for, always demanding that God jump through one more hoop before we'll finally then believe. In 2012, images were released that showed five of the six flags that were left on the moon from the Apollo missions. We have telescopes now that can see so clearly on the moon, they can see the tracks where the, the astronauts and where they landed on the moon. In 2008, Mythbusters even did an episode on this whole conspiracy theory about landing on the moon. And, of course, they, they busted all of the conspiracy theories that were there. And yet still, people continue to doubt. They say that around 20% of people doubt that we ever landed on the moon. You know that? 20% of people. It's an astonishing statistic, I think. You see, it doesn't matter how much hard evidence there may be, people will always find a way to doubt. And that's why everything that we stand for isn't based on hard evidence. It's based on faith, and that's what Jesus came to give to us. Let's continue on in our lesson, verse 29. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name. You see, what our Savior did was he did not just give to us the hard evidence. He went a step further because he knows that for us hard evidence is not enough. And so he created 
in your hearts, he made a miracle happen. He gave you faith. He sent messengers of the word into this world to take God's word to you, to announce to you the forgiveness of sins, so that you can be sure and certain without a doubt that your sins are forgiven, so that you won't be left with guilt or with regret. He gave to you the written word, verbally inspired, so that you could know that these are God's word. And Jesus appears to us, not like he did to Thomas, but he appears to us in his word, so that you can be sure, so that you can be certain that Jesus is who he said he was, that Jesus did what he said he would do. It's that forgiveness and life and salvation is all yours. See, through faith, you have everything that Jesus came to win you. All the good works that Jesus performed in this world are credited to you, so that now God looks at you with eyes of perfection. Every drop of blood that was spilled from Jesus was given to you for your forgiveness. And as Jesus lost his life on the cross, he did that so that you could have a brand new life. And we believe that. Not because of the evidence, but because of faith. The miracle of faith. It really is a miracle, isn't it? Faith. It's a miracle because just as we can never completely take away our doubts in the same way we can never create faith, but he gave to us that faith. Doubt threatens everything that Jesus won for us on the cross. And so when you are doubting, let Jesus take it away. He gives to you messengers to share with you God's word. He gives to you his word. He gives to you the sacraments. And so run to those things. Run to word and sacrament. Remember your baptism. Run to God's word. And Jesus there will take away all of your doubts. Continue to fellowship together with other Christians. Continue to attend Bible study along with and Jesus will continue to take away those doubts in us. You see, as long as we have a sinful nature, we'll always continue to doubt. Those doubts will never be completely gone from us. But God promises in his word that while we may always have doubts, he promises that through his word he's going to chase away those doubts. You know, I suppose it's possible that we never made it to the moon. I suppose it's possible that people like Julius Caesar and Genghis Khan never actually exist. I suppose it's possible that the photos I've seen of China were just photos of Idaho. Right? Who knows? But, it's the, but the point is that when it comes to the hard evidence that we see, you could, those doubts are always going to be raised in our minds. So God gives us something more powerful. Gives us faith that we can believe in what we can't see. Amen.